This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to Is This Real Life? Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, Real Lifers. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to episode 162. Oh man, it's been a week and I am so grateful that there are three Housewives franchises on at the moment, plus Vanderpump Rules. It is making me very happy and I'm just so grateful because it's been kind of a rough week for me. Um, Not sure how much I'm comfortable sharing, but you know, I've been pretty open and honest with you all since um, about a few years ago, maybe about a year and a half ago, um, I was diagnosed with primary ovarian insufficiency, uh, which affects 1% of women. And it means that you lose your ovarian function before age 40. So that's why I went through all that egg freezing to see if we could capture some of the last few eggs before uh, before my ovaries uh, go into retirement. And over the last few weeks, I've started to have some symptoms that indicate that they are getting ready to retire. And so um, that's been uh, really emotional and um, uncomfortable physically. And I'm just trying to wrap my head around everything that's going on with my body. So... Um, You know, I know it's younger than most people, but, you know, I always like to think of myself as a trendsetter and I'm trying to maintain some sort of sense of humor about this. But, um, you know, send my heart out to anyone that is also dealing with this or has friends or family or loved ones that have dealt with this issue. And if any of you ever want to reach out, you know, my DMs are always open. I'm just... um, Yeah. And it's made me realize the importance of just like constantly checking in with yourself and with your body and with your mental health and like asking myself, like, where am I at? What can I do to take better care of myself during this tough time? And it so happens that my guest, Ashley Hoover Baker, also had a pretty rough week. And she's opened up to me before about her experience living with multiple sclerosis. And so in this interview that I do with her, we actually open up talking about that because I want to make sure that we create space for people to share their journeys and their experiences. I firmly believe that all of us, you know, have something, some sort of adversity that we're dealing with, whether it be medical challenge or emotional challenge or physical challenge or or all of the above. And I think that this community of Bravo lovers is so incredible because you meet people 
through the shared love of this like rather silly channel, <laughs> you know, and the housewives and you make these incredible connections and the people who are part of this fan community are so brave and resilient and beautiful and incredible. And I'm so honored to be able to speak with so many of them doing this podcast and get to know them. So I wanted to make sure that we had space uh, to talk about that. Um, So yeah, that's sort of where I'm at these days. I've also been rereading Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, and reminding myself that we can do hard things. And so... I am persevering. I've got a special episode for you next week um, that's going to be very focused on just Vanderpump Rules. So we don't get into Vanderpump Rules on this episode, but we too touch down on Beverly Hills, Potomac, and Salt Lake City. And unlike the ladies of Potomac, Ashley and I make sure to bring good vibes only to this podcast. (laughs) There's been enough going on in our lives that we're just focusing on Bravo and um, sharing our thoughts and having a few laughs. And it definitely makes me want to, you know, do some shots with G and shout GVO, (laughs) GVO. Just kidding. I, I, my hormones are all over the place, as you probably can tell. Well, Um, We'll take a quick break and then get back with my chat with Ashley. But as always, uh, make sure to follow me on social media at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram and Twitter. And if you like the podcast, go ahead and give it a five-star rating and write a review. I love reading your reviews. I really appreciate it. And if you have any constructive criticism, I am always open to that. My DMs are open, so be sure to reach out. All right, guys, without further ado, here is a quick break, and then we'll be back with Ashley Hoover-Baker. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everyone. I am here with the lovely Ashley Hoover Baker from On This Day Entertainment. You guys know her. She's a huge Bravo fan and a big part of the Free Britney movement. So how are you doing, Ashley? You know, I'm feeling good. I'm glad you mentioned the Free Britney movement. You know, she's free from her her father, which is a huge step in the right direction. Hoping to see her free for to make her own decisions and spend her money as she damn well pleases soon. So, hey, girl. Hey, how are you, Mandy? I'm doing all right. I know both of us have had quite a week. Um, I know you've been dealing with some difficulties you were telling me with multiple sclerosis. And... I was saying that, you know, I've been hearing more about this disease recently because Selma Blair has been doing a lot of interviews and that's something that she was diagnosed with and that she speaks about openly. And before we started recording, I asked you if you'd be comfortable sharing a bit about 
the illness and what it's like to live with the illness. Um, just because I think a lot of people are unfamiliar with it. Maybe we know someone who has it, but we don't really know what it does to the body and how we can be, I don't know, good friends to our people who are experiencing this. Oh my gosh, so sweet, Mandy. You really are just like the kindest soul person. Um, I have had MS for like 11 years now. I was diagnosed about 11 years ago. So over the course of the last 11 years, I've got much better at managing my symptoms, not overdoing it, realizing what triggers my body to just shut down. Like some days that I wake up, like I wake up and I, I sit up out of bed, but then my legs don't cooperate or sometimes my legs work and then just don't have use of my hands. So stress is the big thing for me. If I stay pretty low stress, you know, that keeps everything under control, but happens, things happen. The weather here in Vegas is a challenge. Obviously it's a desert. It's so hot and the heat exacerbates the symptoms. I just basically like when my brain, like basically what MS is for me, it's a, they call it like a snowflake or a fingerprint in that it's different for everybody. Everybody has different symptoms. For me, I, my brain and my body just don't necessarily connect. Like if I want to hold my toothbrush, I have to think, Ashley, hold your toothbrush. You're holding your toothbrush. Your toothbrush is in your hand. You are using it to brush your teeth. And if I don't think about it, like the toothbrush is on the floor, like just my brain, my muscles and my brain just don't always connect. So I'm very clumsy. It's charming for a while, but um, it gets very annoying. Yeah, that sounds really tough. I'm sorry you have to deal with that. How? Thank you. I mean, it's just, it's what it is. It's nothing that I did or anybody does. It's honestly like as bad as I feel for Selma Blair or anybody who gets diagnosed with MS. But honestly, like when I was diagnosed, Jack uh, Osborne was diagnosed and just the power of the celebrity once they have the platform to tell their story it just, it broadens people's, you know, minds to, you know, just what go through. Um, I'm able-bodied most of the time. There are times where I just, I can't move. I just, I can't function. So um, yeah, I've just learned to be patient with myself, give myself a whole lot of grace and take it easy. Well, that's a good lesson, I think, for everyone, right? And how to treat yourself and check in with your body. Is there any advice that you have about, I don't know, how people can be good friends and colleagues and partners to people who are experiencing maybe what a lot of us view as a invisible disability. Do you know what I mean? Uh, It's just one of those things. Like I try, like I really try not to take advantage of like, for instance, having a handicap placard. 75% of the time, I'm great. I can walk around. I have no problem. But like that 25% of the time, like if I'm using my placard to park in front, I don't need people like saying that's not for you or let somebody use that who needs it or that must be your mother's handicap placard. You shouldn't be using it. And like I try to kill people with kindness and just explain, you know, like once I say like I have multiple sclerosis, most people apologize and say, wow, I really just I didn't see because I look pretty healthy. Like I'm a pretty like healthy looking, normal functioning person. So just when people say something is wrong, believe them. And we're going to be talking housewives. Like that kind of reminds me of Garcelle. Like why could Garcelle like just not explain her feelings to the women in that group that she had to like literally like fall apart in front of them 
for them to believe her. Like when I say like my body, like I don't feel good. I might look okay, but I'm not functioning well. Like, believe me. That is, yeah, that is so important. You're right. I think we need to do a better job listening to each other and being kinder to ourselves. And I think that is a good segue to talk about Beverly Hills. I know. (laughs) Can I just pause for one second for self-care? Because I think I have a little insight. I get an MRI every year, you know, obviously to monitor the legions on my brain. And I had a really stressful job. Shout out to all the teachers out there. I was an elementary school teacher for 12 and a half years. I had to leave the profession. Just, I just, I couldn't manage it. Yeah, Yeah, it was a great job, but it just, I couldn't handle it anymore. But the thing is, before I had MS, like I didn't, before I was diagnosed, like I had little things that would kind of happen, the clumsiness, especially, but I didn't really know there was anything wrong with me. When I was teaching, like I taught with MS for like, I think like seven or eight years and every MRI I got, you know, it's a picture of the brain. You would see like the legions on my brain are like a scrape, like say you fall on the cement, like you would have a wound, right? And at first it's an open wound. Eventually it'll heal up and close up. When I was teaching and actively stressed, the legions on my brain were, most of them were open all the time. And now that I'm not stressed, they're closed. So what I can tell people is like, I have like data. There is data telling me that what stress does to my body and how it affects me. Most people don't have that raw data that they get yearly to remind themselves of that. So that's just what I would like to tell people. That is so important. It's so many times when we have symptoms of stress or like mental illness, there's not tests that you can do. There's not like a blood test or something that can say, like say, this is what is going on in your body. This is what's going on in your brain, you know? And so to be able to just Mm -hmm. know to trust yourself and to trust how you're feeling. And there is such a link between the brain and body, you know, especially with MS, but with everything, you know, with depression, with anxiety, with, Mm -hmm. with other, you know, illnesses. It's just so important to listen to your body and to make adjustments Right. Yes. And that's the best thing that everybody can do is just take care of yourself. It's truly until I didn't have my health, you you really, you can't, you can't wish for anything if you don't have your health. So just please take care of yourself. Check in on yourself. Be good to yourself. Thank you so much for sharing, Ashley. I really think it's, I don't know, it's something that I think is important to talk about. And Mandy, I appreciate the space. Yeah. And it's a good lesson for all of us. And not to judge when people say something, like not to assume they're lying or minimizing, regardless of how we may feel or how we think others may look, and Mm -hmm. just to accept people at their word. Right. Exactly. You know? And And not judge a book by its cover. That is so true. So true. I know part of what we do, right, as fans of Bravo is judge these women. But at the same time, I'm always trying to check in, like, how harsh am I judging? Is this going too far? How do other people listening to me perceive my judgment? You know, I made a comment a couple episodes ago about how I thought maybe Sutton was drinking a lot. 
And maybe that's why she was so emotional at certain scenes throughout the um, season. And, you know, that comment didn't land very well for someone um, who listened and who has alcoholism in her family and was just like the judgment. And I was like, you're right. Like, I, I I was trying to explain her behavior to myself. I was like, why is she being like this? Like, this doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, you know? And so for me, I was like, oh, maybe she's just drunk, (laughs) you know? Right. Well, and I feel like, yes, there's just so many levels to being like shady and like, and Bravo has really danced around this line a lot. Like one of the reasons I love Salt Lake so much is because of like, for instance, in one, the you smell like hospital storyline, that's gold. This season on Beverly Hills, the (laughs) ugly leather pants. This is exactly what I want from these shows. I don't need things to be too heavy, like these huge, like, I mean, if it's real and like, especially in the world we are now, I'm here for the real conversations. But as far as like, especially in Beverly Hills with the nitpicking on certain things that they do, I'm I'm really, really over that. And I'm really just into the like petty stuff. Yeah, like the one wick versus three wick candle situation. <laughs> All it's over perfect. it. <laughs> that is perfect television what and honestly i'm on we're all on team current on this one right like i love me some but three wick all the way three wick all the way <laughs> but karen shade with one wick it's delicious it's perfect housewives television it is it really is um do you want to go into beverly hills first and then we'll take it sure. around the country okay I love it. We'll start on the West Coast. Start on the West Coast, your coast, right? Yes. So, adjacent to the West Coast, I'm Vegas. Vegas. I consider that the West Coast. I like to consider myself West Coast. Yes. (laughs) Just no water. No water. Um. So, uh, it was so refreshing to read the LA Times article. I don't know if you got a chance to read it this week that featured Garcelle Sutton and Crystal because it appears that they are all good friends at this point and was just kind of getting their take on how the season went and a lot of stuff. And it's just, it's interesting to hear them as sort of quote unquote outsiders who haven't been on this franchise for a number of years together to kind of like come in and shake things up. How have you felt watching these three this season and did you think it would end up this way where they would all be friends or like kind of how are you handling I don't know watching these three I have not enjoyed Beverly Hills for years Beverly Hills has just I I didn't even I didn't even finish pan or the puppy gate I like quit halfway through the season I've never done that with a housewives franchise before I just I, I couldn't give it my viewership it was terrible Last year, I really, I I did stick with it through the Denise Richards and it was all just so disappointing. Like it's just not been good. So I was so excited for some new blood. They're honestly the highlight of the show for me. I know everybody's like very into the Erica Jane drama, which I'm very invested in also, but as far like, I like the fun aspects of housewives. Like I was talking about just the petty low key fun I'm much more down for the who's honky dory, the you're wearing ugly leather pants conversations than the heavy duty stuff. My life is difficult enough. I like to keep it light. So I am here for Crystal. I love her. Controversial at first. I appreciated like 
the look, like the I don't give a crap look on her face is something I aspire for. Um, I know that was kind of off-putting for a lot of fans. Uh, I think Garcelle is gold and Kathy Hilton is the gift that we deserve after the last few years of this show. Totally. I love watching Kathy Hilton. I really enjoy Crystal, like really deeply. Yes. I enjoy her fashion. I enjoy her family. I'm interested to know more about her. I found out recently that she is a business owner. She owns a huge coconut water beverage company. And that's just not what they wanted to feature on the show this season. So I hope that next season we can kind of see her also as a businesswoman and not just the wife to a famous director. Amen. Like girl power. We are, I mean, and it takes a really strong woman to have a husband who's that powerful, especially in Hollywood. With that said, she is his equal, and we need to appreciate that and respect the fact that she does her own thing and has her own money, and we need to celebrate that. Totally. Um, what did you think of Garcelle telling Rinna that maybe she should reach out to Denise? Do you think that was appropriate, a step too far um, to, to show not just Denise, but also to show Garcelle that she has growth, like more action, less talk. You know, I appreciate Rinna, or I'm sorry, I appreciate Garcelle for it. Uh, whether or not Rinna does it, and I thought it was really, really shitty later on um, that Rinna said something of, you know, it's my relationship. I can talk about it if I want to or not. And it's like, well, isn't that what the whole Brandy fight was about? Was yeah. you getting on her business about, you know, whether or not she wanted to have this discussion about what she did or didn't do with Brandy Glanville? Felt it was very hypocritical. And honestly, Garcelle or anybody can ask whatever question they want. You know, we can say whatever we want. And Lisa has the right to not answer. But I don't think there was anything wrong with Garcelle bringing that up. And if that's something that she needs for her to move forward with that friendship, for her to, because they're friends. If she's still friends with Denise, that would be very complicated thinking, you know, from Garcelle's perspective. And if that's what she needs to move forward with Lisa, she's being honest and open and there's nothing wrong with that. That's all they keep saying. Be honest. (laughs) It's like they can say be honest, but they can't be honest themselves. I'm very over Lisa Rinna. I'm very over um, Dorit. I don't even know what she brings. I'm I'm very over a lot of aspects of this franchise. Kyle is more enjoyable this year than a lot of times, but that's really only because of Kathy. Like Kyle and Kathy together is amazing. I love Kyle with her sisters, but if her sisters are not involved, I'm very uninterested in her. Oh, I'm always interested in Kyle and like her family and her life. It's just for me what I think of when I think of Beverly Hills, even though they no longer live in Beverly Hills. With Dorit, I very much love PK. I have for the last few years. I find him so funny. He's so just, I don't know. He just cuts through the bullshit a lot of times. And I i feel like we need more of that. And that's why I think we like Sutton and Garcelle so much. You know, they've cut right. through so much bullshit. And speaking of bullshit, you know, we saw this week that Erica mentioned that her son helped her find Tom when he went off the cliff, when he was in his car, that whole thing was unconscious for 12 hours, allegedly. And she said, I revealed that in La Quinta. Do you think that 
Well, okay. So Kyle is wondering why Erica is only telling us pieces of the story at a time. Why do you think Erica tells stories in piecemeal? This is tough. I don't, I don't believe Erica. I think her story changes so much. Nothing makes sense, but we see things in bits and pieces. So it, I really have a hard time saying because we only know so much from editing and we know that these editors are brilliant, but she has said all these things and she just keeps on contradicting things. The thing that got me is that when they were, um, I forget where they were, but when she uh, had said a story one time and the next time she said, and she added the allegedly that time after like finding Tom, I'm like, girl, this is an all new low for you even. Yeah. But also I just watched an interview with Lisa Barlow and she was talking about her friendship with Jen Sean. She's like, you know, we have a legal system and I believe people are innocent until proven guilty. And when, if, and when the court proves that she is guilty of these crimes, these terrible crimes, then she'll be held accountable by me too. But until then, so, and Erica, it's not her crimes. It would be her husband's crimes, but I don't think she's a stupid woman. She isn't a stupid woman. So I don't think you can act dumb if you're not an idiot. Right. I don't know. I'm wondering if she tells things in piecemeal because she's so used to lying and or to she she doesn't view it, I think, from her perspective as lying when she only when she omits elements of the truth because she's like, he did break his ankle. Right. So she's like, I wasn't lying about that. But she left out. She lies by omission by not sharing all of the other elements of the story. But do you think maybe her lawyers have maybe tried to prep her for how to talk on the show and it's leading to her speaking in ways that we don't understand? Yes. However, I definitely feel like her lawyers have said, like, probably don't mention the victims at all, which is why, I mean, she hasn't shown any remorse. That's the thing that gets me. She's shown zero remorse. Whether or not she's guilty of a crime, you feel sorry for victims. And she at no point has seemed to feel empathy for these people who have lost limbs, physical abilities, tons of money, their entire livelihood in some cases. That's the part that really doesn't sit well. However, that might be thing that her lawyers said with that said she could still not be an ice queen like she could still show empathy and compassion towards other people not involved in that lawsuit she's just she comes off like a cold b-i-t-c-h and she's just fine with that even during this and that's baffling to me yeah i i 100 agree i think she's fine with how she's coming across and she's so focused on defending herself that she and how she's being like wrongly I don't know, perceived that she's not right. focusing on the bigger picture and the people who are truly impacted more so than how she has been impacted. But I'm hoping that at the reunion, we'll get to see a little bit more out of her and get some of these questions answered. I was really interested in seeing Crystal say, well, where is your anger towards Tom? Because, mm-hmm. but, you know, at the same time, this ha- was filmed over a few months 
And maybe her anger developed later. I don't know. I just know that if it were me, I would be very angry at the person that put me in this situation and not just take it out only on social media trolls. <laughs> and her co-stars. Anytime somebody yep. says anything that she doesn't like. The fact, yeah, the fact her social media presence is a disaster. How they've not taken her phone and Jen Shaw's phones away, I have no idea. That's just insane to me. But yeah, I'm I'm very I've always I've enjoyed Erica. I read her book. I went to an Erica Jane concert. Yeah, I've been there. I really appreciated her at the beginning of her housewives career. But these last few years, she's just not enjoyable at all for me. Yeah, I feel like she doesn't show us any humanity. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can always be cold and calculated. I just don't think that's what all humans are like. I think that's what she likes to put forward. But I want to see her a mess, upset, not thinking about, you know, multiple steps ahead and just living in the moment and sharing how she's feeling rather than perceiving how others will view her sharing things. And I feel like that's an issue on Beverly Hills more than some of the other franchises is they're all constantly thinking, like, how is this going to land with the viewers? I feel like Kyle does that, Dorit, Rinna, and they usually get it wrong. The more that they Mm -hmm. try and anticipate how viewers will react to them, the, the wronger they are and the more we get frustrated with them. I think we just want to see them be authentic and not so calculated. And it's hard, you know. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of people are adverse to having um, actresses specifically as housewives is because they don't always, when a camera shows up, they put on an act. That's their job. That's what they've been conditioned to. I've always been obsessed with pop culture, celebrities. So I love the fact that Garcelle, like a real actor, is on the show like I grew up watching Melrose Place I grew up watching Days of Our Lives back in the day Lisa Rinna was a huge staple in my adolescence just watching TV so to see this side of her and to see what a like gross human she is and she has so many beautiful things in her life like I love her husband like how most people feel about PK that's how I am with Harry Hamlin I just I, I love a man who cooks I married a chef I just find him so charming and I guess I just always had a crush on him growing up too Oh, Harry seems lovely. Most of these husbands on Beverly Hills seem quite lovely. Truly. Yeah, Mauricio is a gem. PK has grown on me. I don't love him like a lot of people do, but that scene with him and Mo when they were talking with the wives talking about the um, uh, Erica's crimes. Honestly, that's one of the best scenes ever in Beverly Hills. For me, that was just top notch. I mean, it's so funny when he's like, you know, no, no, it's a- fix the ankle. <laughs> it's so good I also wish Erica wouldn't go in so much detail about the medical stuff because she's been wrong you know Mm -hmm. like it's like don't don't say all that stuff because that's easily proven you know like just just don't try to explain away there's no reason not to operate on someone after they've had a traumatic brain injury it's more complex but like if a doctor says if multiple teams of doctors say surgery is warranted and needed for a certain thing 
Like, there's a reason they're saying that. <laughs> you exactly. Know? Well, we live in the days of people just not believing doctors right now, which is <sighs> just insane. As somebody with a yes. chronic illness, like, I would not be in the shape that I am without doctors advising me, prescribing medication to me that is appropriate for the condition that I'm in. So, yeah, that's that's insane. Erica has lost it. She really should have taken a season off. I mean, it would have robbed us of a lot of great storylines, but this is really not good for her, I think, in the eyes of the law. None of this is good. I don't think she's in that much trouble in the eyes of the law. I mean, she's being sued for Mm -hmm. money, but I don't think she will ever face any criminal charges. I just don't think there's – you have to have – She's not being charged for anything except like for repaying things that were given to her illegally. Right. So that's all in civil court. It's not in criminal court. So the whole thing that Lisa Barlow said does apply to Jen Shaw. She is innocent until proven guilty in the eyes of of the law. But she is also charged with a crime. And it's harder because Erica isn't. And there's all of this like stuff coming out through the legal process to figure out where money went. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, isn't isn't like there proof now that money was funneled to her company? Like, isn't that a fact at this point? Oh, absolutely. So when I went to go see Erica Jane in Vegas a few years ago, this was in retrospect, this is very fascinating as far as where the money is coming from. I saw her at the Orleans Arena. Yes, Arena. I looked it up online. It holds 9,500 people. I'd be shocked if she sold 250 seats. It was empty. Empty. There was like so few people there. It was comical. We actually took video of the empty arena. We were all sitting on the floor. Like who sits on the floor of an arena? But there was nobody there. And we were thinking about like in retrospect, it's like, oh my gosh, paid for all of this. I mean, the production quality of Erica Jane's show was top notch. The background dancers, amazing. Costumes, amazing. Lights, sound, the whole, she played an arena. She should have been at like the beauty bar or something, something that holds like 50 people and it would have been a lot more appropriate. But the fact that she was able to do that, she didn't sell tickets. If she sold tickets, it's because she bought them or the law firm bought them. But yeah, the whole thing just didn't make sense. And in retrospect, it's like, oh, okay. Cause all this money was being funneled in from Tom. That's so interesting. I saw her in D.C. at Howard Theater, which is a much smaller venue, but it still wasn't sold out. We bought tickets the day of and went that night. And I timed the concert. It was 43 minutes start to finish. And there was no opening act. There was nothing after. It was just like, it was an incredible production, but it was only 43 minutes. And usually concerts tend to be longer and and, that kind of thing. But it was not um, sold out. And that's a much smaller space as well. So yeah, I never really stopped to think about like, where is this money coming from? But I did find Mm -hmm. it odd that she's so focused on like, it's expensive to be her as if I I don't know, why does it take like $50,000 a month to make you look the way you do? Like, I feel like you could like, tone that down to maybe 8,000 and you would still look gorgeous. Like, is there is there a need to spend hundreds of thousands nearing, you know, a million dollars every year on how you look? 
It's ridiculous. I just caught the funniest thing. YouTube had a commercial on and I actually didn't skip the commercial. It was a highlight from the Daily Show. And it's, I guess, 25 years of Fox News. And they did this montage of men sexually harassing women um, on the screen. And I don't know why that just popped into my head, but it did. And it was like the funniest few minutes of TV. Where did I just get that from? Like, that was such a weird tangent. Where did I just come (laughs) off on that tangent from? Having MS brain, what were we talking about? Um, Erica and her concerts. She does look mm-hmm. a little bit like a Fox News anchor. She does. She does. I really have no idea where I was going with that. So if you're <laughs> editing this, if you want to just cut that out, that wouldn't no. upset me. Too. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Um, let's go over to Potomac. So cross country to your side of the woods. Yes. My neighborhood. I love Potomac. It's brilliant. Okay. So speaking of stories and tell me if I'm being too judgmental. Um, So I very much enjoy watching Mia's story with her mother, but I'm starting to think based on how she keeps like, dropping nuggets of information that while this is all true, maybe the, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Maybe a lot of it happened a while ago. Like it sounds like her mom is not so newly in recovery because this episode, she said, well, my mom has been, I think sober for 10 years or in recovery for 10 years. And I was like, 10 years. I mean, that's a long time. Yeah. So I'm wondering if this whole rebuilding, which I know that she's been trying to do, is something that's happening, but maybe she's making it seem a little bit more like it's just happening when it when right. it hasn't. Do you get that sense at all? It's a great storyline. So I understand why she's doing it. And honestly, I think it's a really important story to be told. It. There's a lot with Mia. I like Mia, but I've just found so many holes. Maybe not holes. There's just a lot of maybe like contradictions in what she says. Yeah. I One thing that really bothers me, and this is something that really bothers me about Potomac this season. It's not okay the way that they shame sex workers. The way, the whether or not Mia was a stripper, I don't care. They say they don't care, but the way that they speak so discouragingly about sex work is really, really off-putting. And, you know, like, we watch, like, the Bolo episodes in Atlanta, and everyone's like, whoa, Bolo, we love this. This is the best. So, like, okay, he can be a stripper, but a woman can't be a stripper. Like, just the misogyny is disgusting. Their low-key misogyny hurts me at this point when it comes to was me a stripper. There is a lot of misogyny on Potomac. This whole, I mean, even I think Wendy setting up and calling it a couple's trip, knowing that one of the women is not in a couple and constantly bringing that up as if that says something about who she is as a person and as a woman. Right, her value. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's very gross. Yeah, you're right with the sex worker thing. I don't understand why they keep focusing on Mia having been a a stripper or she didn't say stripper but whatever it was and that's how she met her husband it's just she came out and said it so why 
why go after? I don't know. When you get in front of a story, when you tell the truth from your perspective, it makes it harder for people to attack you. Yet Candace, in particular, continuously attacks over and over and over. And I've, I don't know. I'm a fan of all of these women. I like them all. There's no one that I mm-hmm. can't stand mm-hmm. or don't think is worthy of being on the show. But there's something, an edge to Candace that crosses a line that I feel is just very mean. And it's not fun for me as a viewer to watch women be really mean to each other. Shade is one thing, but being just purposefully mean and hurtful is not entertaining for me. I mean, how do you feel? Exactly. Um, and I feel weird, like, cause this is like technically her body. So I'm going to sound kind of contradicting myself on this, but like Candace saying that Mia's big feet are going to crack the foundation to me is hilarious. And <laughs> that's like the level of shade that I love. However, coming at Ashley, who just, whether or not she just had a baby, it doesn't matter. You're calling another woman wide bodied. Like we should know better. Like we need to know how to talk to each other as women. So men don't go around talking to us in an inappropriate way. Like we have to like model that behavior because it's not like just innately known. So Candace is just beyond problematic. I and the thing is, there are very few housewives that I just feel have little to no redeeming qualities. And I actually like Candace in a lot of ways, but her mouth is disgusting. She's just, um, it's it's gross. She should be so ashamed of herself. Yeah, I'm hoping that she's able to watch the season back and see where she stepped off because Last season, with the stuff with Monique, I think physical violence is not okay in any situation, period. And so people saying, oh, but she provoked her. It should never provoke to physical violence. That is not an excuse for people running their mouths. That's just not how you react. Now you're having a situation where she is being provocative and trying to provoke Mia into an argument. But Mia is not. I mean, she's hitting back, but she's not she's not going to get violent. And so other than, you know, throwing the lettuce, which is what, you know, Candace, she started that. I think another thing I've been thinking of is when she tries to go after women for their mothers or their bodies, it feels like punching down. You know, when you um, (sighs) are really clever as a comedian or as someone who throws shade, you can be really clever without being mean or crossing certain lines. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this means maybe she's not as clever as she thinks she is. And I think she's quite clever. It's just like, why, why hit at Mia's mom when there are plenty of things to make fun of Mia for? Like, why go after that? That's the low hanging fruit. And that tells me one thing, like maybe Mia's just an amazing person and that all she has to go over that would you know it's so funny I was just um catching up finally I caught up on Vanderpump Rules and I was thinking about Max um I'm sure you're watching Vanderpump because I know you and I know you love it um you do own a dog named Saucy um I was watching James and thinking Max Vanderpump or I guess Max Todd must be the best human ever because if James is going to go off on him and just try to just 
belittle him to nothing if all he could say is that he's overweight and fat or whatever like the body shaming max must just be the best guy ever if that's all that james had and that's how i feel like if that's what the worst thing about ashley darby is that she's got a wide body after being pregnant ashley darby must be one stellar human being and i do love ashley darby more than anything (laughs) i love her she is exactly what a housewife should be in my opinion I like them all. I really do. I really like this cast. I like all of them. I just feel like and I and I will give Candace some, you know, slack in that I don't think she knew about Mia's mother. But once Wendy tried to reel her in with it by being mm-hmm. like, I'm telling you because I'm assuming you don't know, she should have taken a step back. And right. I don't know. It's it's just making me sad because I very much do like Candace. I like her and Chris together. I love her music. She's an incredible singer and artist. I, I love. She has some bops, yeah, dude. So many bops. Like she's a. I thought it would be more of like a housewives music, but it's just music, music. Like it's good, right? <laughs> and I. She's actually like a, a really fan. good singer. I think for sure. So I just, this is just sad. I I feel like she needs to do a little bit more introspection of why she says things that are mean. And even if Mia started this whole fight, right, like by saying that her video was low budget, just because someone says something mean, like not mean, but like shady towards you or rude, you can be shady or rude back. But to go after someone who, you know, throws a pebble at you with like... (laughs) daggers you know or a boulder and just drop it on them like that's not the equivalent and I feel like that's the issue is when she has any perceived slights she feels like she is in the right to attack back however she wants and whatever she thinks is valid of attacking and I feel like most of the viewership looks at that and says, hey, all she did was say that your music video was low budget. Why don't you go after her chiropractic practice or something else kind of like that? Or her cheap weave. Or I'm not saying her weave is cheap, but that would have been like a very, like, oh, you're going to throw shade at that about this low budget? What about your low budget extensions? Like, that's an approach. That's a tit for tat. Like, you have a low budget music video. Your mom has all these. That's not the same. Yeah, for sure. Um, so wondering, you know, bringing Mia's husband into it, gee, Escala said, you know, something's not right at home. (laughs) I don't know whether or not that's true, but watching G get wasted and say many, many inappropriate things and watching how him and Mia interacted, including when he told her to shut the fuck up and, you know, how she, like, thought that was okay, you know, to each his own, whatever. But what was your kind of reaction to G's behavior? Ew, 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 ew. I am not here for a sloppy, grown-ass man. I am here for a man to have some fun, enjoy your cocktails. But that was just messy and inappropriate. And it made me uncomfortable as a viewer. You could tell the other ladies were uncomfortable. The whole thing felt gross. And I think that was very intentional from the editors and the producers. Like, wow, this woman's got some stuff going on in her marriage. Like, This is a really, really weird dynamic. 
Yeah, I think we all know people who don't handle their alcohol very well, right? So, you know, they drink a little too much, and then they behave a way that they never behave sober. And maybe it doesn't happen that often, but it's just like their personality just switches. And so it was just so funny to watch all the women say, oh, gee, he's so cool. He's so chill. (laughs) And to like witness this behavior was was something else. And I think I was just as bothered by the fact that Mia was like, that's just how we talk to each other. And that's their relationship. And it's their business. I just I don't like it when people talk like that to somebody they love. It's just not cute for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't like when people tell me to shut the fuck up. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, that's not okay. That's not how you talk to people. So here's a question. Candace thought the problem with it wasn't that it was said, that it was said in mixed company. So is your issue that it was said at all or that it was said in front of people? Both? Like, yeah, yeah both. Yeah, they shouldn't be said at all. But the, I mean, the fact that they're so comfortable to say it in front of mixed company says, and I think one of them on this show said, like, what do you think is happening behind closed doors if they behave like this in public? Which was so funny because then Candace's reaction is like, oh, that's what Chris and I are like behind closed doors, but we would never do this in mixed company. (laughs) Which is hilarious. Like, seriously, Chris is the best thing to ever happen to Candace. Like, Chris is such a catch. He's one of my favorite house husbands. I love him, love him, love him. And he makes so much of her, like, he humanizes her. So so many of the... He's the best part of her. Right, like, just how Kathy humanizes Kyle a bit. You know, there's certain people that bring out the best. And when she's with Chris and they're talking and they're expressing their love to each other and they're working through issues, like that is the best side of Candace. And I do think she's really witty and really funny. I just don't like that she keeps coming back. And and when Mia tries to extend an olive branch saying, you know, I admire your mom and I would really like to be like her one day, you know, to to go back at that and saying, well, like she wasn't a prostitute or she what, what was it? She wasn't found in a strip club. A stripper. Like, right. You're you're demeaning not even sex work, like just being a stripper, you know, and and. I know we all have judgments that we make about people and about certain professions, but I don't know. It just felt really, really nasty. And then to say all people who strip are then engaged in prostitution or sex work, that's also not true, you know? And then if someone chooses to do that, that is also their business. So this whole, like, calling her a night crawler, it just, where's your pimp? I thought Mia handled it beautifully. She's like, Pimp, where are you? Your hoe is here. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. See, that's what I love it. about Mia. Yeah. I, I really, really appreciate that aspect of her. And Candace's mouth will get her eventually taken off the show, I think. I don't know what. I don't know what the situation will be. But her vile mouth will eventually get the best of her. I agree. I feel like, and it's her mouth and it's her fingers, right? Because her on Twitter, you know, she was told she was a disaster on Twitter. I um, have trouble with people that can't, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like edit themselves? 
and right. how they behave, either in public, on Twitter. It's, yes, when you're really, really angry about something, that is not the time to go on Twitter. Because you are likely going to react in a way that is really inappropriate and offensive. <laughs> like, rein it in. Like, I don't know. It's like, ma- learn to manage your anger issues. Exactly. Or even like if you can't manage your anger issues, which is the goal, at least come from a very human place and just say, this is something I need to work on. I don't know how to control myself. I'm embarrassed. I I feel bad for my husband because he has to, you know, answer to these behaviors. I feel bad, you know, like even if she just came from there, but she just always doubles down and it's just, it's exhausting to watch. So, okay, let's move over to Salt Lake City because oh, pleasure. I feel like we've kind of heard exactly what you're saying from Jen Shaw, where she will say, like, I'm sorry, I am get really angry, I it's because you didn't come to my father's funeral, you know, and, and we hear mm-hmm. these stories from her. Do you think she acknowledges that she has an anger issue? I think she does, and especially like learning at the beginning of this season that she and Coach almost got a divorce this year. Like, I think she got it. It was a rude awakening, and it took her too long to get to the point. But um, at least we see some sorrow from her. But the thing is, it kind of goes back, like, obviously, I'm a Vanderpump Rules fan. I'm going to take it back to Jax. Like, how many Vanderpump, was it eight years that Van, that Jax went on the reunion saying he was going to be better? And he never got better. Like, Jen keeps on saying she's going to do better, but we haven't seen any improvements in her behavior. I think we'd all have a lot more patience with her and a lot more, like, we'd be a lot more open to her if we at least saw she was trying not to be... I hate calling women crazy because I think it's just such a dangerous thing, but she acts crazy. Yeah. I mean, I would call it aggressive. I feel like it is aggressive. the definition. And then I don't want to call a woman of color aggressive, but at the same time, like it's what it is. Like she does not handle herself appropriately for a grown ass woman. Yeah. With that word, it's, it's interesting because I've, I've talked to a number of people about this and a lot of people that I've spoken to that are black women feel like that word to black women is different than it is to other women of color and how it's like very specific to black women. I definitely see that. Yeah. And, you know, it's but it's also something where that if there is not another adjective, like if that is the most appropriate adjective, then you use that adjective, right? It's just when you throw out the word aggressive, when there is a lot of other words that could be used right. to, but with and aggressive her, shouldn't be the default. I can't, I can't think of another word than than how she is. Like she feels like she has aggression in her, mm-hmm. and while maybe she's calmer at home and trying not to let the side of her show to Coach Shaw, she certainly has no problem unleashing it on Meredith, throwing a $70,000 bracelet like she has tantrums. And right. it was, what did you think of watching Stuart, her assistant slash co-conspirator in this whole fraud scheme, talk to her and try and reason with her? Like, what kind of insight did that give you to their relationship? 
Wow. He, he knows her so well. Like he was able to make sense to her. Like nobody else could. It was a very interesting dynamic. I really, last year, I just thought Stu was so charming. And it's funny because when we heard the, like the second, the Jen Shaw stuff came out, I said, I really hope that Stu Chains isn't involved. And then I kept on reading and I was like, (laughs) holy crap, Stu Chains is involved. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. It was disappointing. And seeing them so in sync like to be able to have that kind of conversation and for her to be able to hear him they're tight they're thick as thieves and that breaks my heart literally thick because i think jen is guilty of sin i'm not yeah thick as thieves and i think jen is guilty of sin and i appreciate lisa waiting for the court to make their decision with all the evidence but I'm sorry. I watch enough crime. I, I am heavily involved in the true crime world. And if the feds are coming for you, it's because they've got a case stacked against you. And the fact she went from like tier C crime, she moved up to tier A. It, it's not good for Jen Shaw. I know. And I just can't get over fans that aren't able to see beyond the show, right? This is so much more than the show. This is the Southern District of New York. This is federal crimes. They are going after her. The feds were listening in on her. They knew where she was because they were tracking her. Nobody needs to call the feds. The feds already knew. (laughs) Oh, I'm so like I was over that storyline before it started. Like who called the feds? Like the feds called the feds. The feds have been paying attention all along. Like nobody called them. They knew she was at a beauty lab because they're tracking her phone calls and text messages. Yeah, they have a wiretap. Like, it's just so obvious. It drives me nuts. And I don't even think I know that much about crime. But I know that if you are charged with a federal crime, it's a very big deal. And if you're involved in something that, you know, you had these co-conspirators that already pled guilty, or they they struck a plea deal... Mm -hmm. You know, I think they pled to lesser charges, but I think there was like nine or 10 people in November of 2019 who were involved in the same scheme that had reached a plea deal with SDNY. And so that was the same month that Jen Shaw started filming with the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So she started filming the audacity of her to do that, knowing she had engaged in that same criminal conspiracy. And not only that, she was like running it. Allegedly. Okay. So like, is this just like peak narcissism? Yeah. Is like, that, that's just, it just has to be narcissism, right? Like she had this opportunity and just couldn't say no to ha- seeing her mug on TV and to having the celebrity and the endorsements and the followers and the this and that, like to where she made that stupid of a decision. It, it, The audacity, as Ramona (laughs) Singer would say, is out of control. I don't know if she cares about, like, seeing herself in a mugshot. I think she maybe thought she was outsmarted. Like, oh, they didn't catch me. They only caught those other people. And she may have even stopped doing some of those things after. 
but she'd already done those crimes. And so it, like, right. the fact and again, that, it just goes back to her, her being a narcissist, such a narcissist. And then, you know, narcissists love being the victim. That's how they view themselves in their own head. They never do anything wrong. People are always doing things to them. And so it'll be interesting to watch how this unfolds because she'll view it as like, they're coming after me. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't know what I was doing was illegal. Like, she'll just do this whole thing. They just want to, you know, she loves being a victim. That's her favorite thing. Talking to Heather, she's like, you guys just treat me differently because I'm That's brown. like literally her personality. <laughs> Which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It is. It's something else. It really is. No, we treat you differently because you act like a lunatic. Because <sighs> you scream at people and you throw things and you put your hands in people's face and you touch people inappropriately. The whole thing is just not, she's just, and the crazy thing is, would what would Salt Lake be without Jen Shaw? As much as I can't stand her, I think she's guilty as sin. She is the sun, and the rest of the show revolves around her. Yeah, they're all planets in her, or moons to her planet. Like, you're right. You're totally right. She, but we, you know what? This is a good segue because we have seen drama that did not involve her on this episode. And it was, yes. you know, so it's there. It's definitely there. I think these are all. And I want more of it. They're all good players in this game. Gosh, Whitney brings a Salt Lake. They nailed this cast. And let's just go back to, I think 2019 was BravoCon. I didn't get to go. Did you go? No, I couldn't get tickets. Uh, well, that's like the one thing when they announced that the new Housewife franchise was going to be Salt Lake City and everyone was like, Salt Lake City. Uh, I'm in Vegas. There, are, There's a huge Mormon population here. When they said Salt Lake City, I'm like, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be the best quality TV. Mormons are such an interesting group of people and just their, their, their culture and their religion is just very interesting i don't want to be it's just it's different and i knew salt lake was going to be good the cast exceeded every expectation whitney is so funny whitney i think is one of the funniest housewives ever heather is one of the more relatable housewives in the history of the real housewives i just love heather gay Lisa, I didn't care for last year, but she's completely won me over this year. Meredith, I've never really been a fan of, but I think she's important to the show. I'm so glad Mary Cosby is out of the closet here. She's just been bringing it. I just, I, Salt Lake, I don't put in my top like Housewives franchises because it's only, you know, partially through the second season. And I don't think that's fair just because the other Housewives have been around for so long. And have had to consistently bring it, but Salt Lake could easily become a number one for me. I love it. I like all the characters. I really do like Meredith. And I don't know if it's because it's nice to have a Jew on the show and I'm like, yeah, represent as well, you know. But I just I enjoy her engaging yes. in what she chooses to engage in and what she chooses to stand up for. And I think, you know, trying to draw attention to, you know, not forcing people to make announcements about their sexuality, I think, you know, and and just the 
outing someone on TV before they've made decisions or, or about how to do that, if they are, before they've learned who they are, is, is a nasty thing, you know? And, right. And I'm I love sorry, her as a mother. But I love her as a mother. But like Jen Shaw was like, I need to defend my vagina. No, Ugh. you don't. You didn't Ew. wear underwear and then you were kicking your legs. That is inappropriate. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if this was one of the husbands? Like if Michael Darby was wearing a skirt at a party and was kicking his legs high and people saw his privates, how do you think the audience would have reacted? Like Brooks said nothing other than the fact that he saw her vagina and he was uncomfortable. And to hit back with you're only uncomfortable because you've never seen a vagina is a nasty, nasty thing to say. I just think she should take ownership. I agree. Yeah. You know? Agreed. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't say anything bad about a vagina. He just said that he saw it. And, like, he would go around seeing strangers' vaginas, as do most of us, I would hope. <laughs> Right? Um, it's okay. gross. I, I mean, your vagina is beautiful, everybody. Your vagina is beautiful. I don't want to see it. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Angie, who we met this week. It's She's introduced as Lisa's friend and one of Whitney's cousins, because everybody's cousins, <laughs> apparently. And it's true. In the Mormon community, which I'm, I have a ton of Mormon friends. I didn't know what a Mormon was until I moved to Las Vegas. Like, you know, that scene in Mean Girls where they have like the theater group table and then there's like the smart Asian table and there are the nerd table. Like when I went to high school, I moved here in eighth grade. When I like came to, when I was in eighth grade in the lunchroom, there was a Mormon table and I had to go home and ask my parents like what the, what a Mormon was. I had no idea, but like, I have a lot of Mormon friends. I've been friends with tons of people in the Mormon community for a long time now. And this show, I think, is really opening people up to that community. But the fact that that it's so diverse, the fact that we have a Muslim woman on the show, a Jewish woman, and how beautiful was that scene um, with the families that joined for the um, for the Jewish holiday, the challah. I went and I bought a um, I bought the challah. Yes, and yours was beautiful. I saw yours, and it was gorgeous. Mine Aww. was from Trader Joe's. I did what I could. Challah is not easy to make. Um, the dough, I think, is easy to make, but the braiding can be kind of tough. Um, but yeah, I think it's 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 nice to see all that diversity. I love seeing the diversity within the Mormon community as well. And so I did a little bit of digging into Angie. And so here's what I found. So I believe Ooh, yes. her and her husband, Chris, both had marriages before e- each other. Both had first marriages. She had two children. He had four. They got together and they had one child together. The transgender child is one of Chris's children, one of the four. So it's not her child, but she's the stepmom oh, cool. to Good this to transgender okay. child. So I'm assuming it, it feels like... Um, Angie was supposed to maybe be on season one and didn't make it, didn't make the cut. And I think she's really thirsty to be on the show. I feel like her husband, mm-hmm. Chris, it wants to be on the show to try and draw attention to the issue of transgender children in whatever way he can. That's sort of my assessment. And, 
I, I like your assessment. I'm here for the man wanting to bring awareness to transgender and just to normalize what a family looks like, even a religious family, like you're a religious family that has a transgender child. I am here for it. She just came off like she just really wanted to be famous and be on TV. However, it made for a really interesting story. And I do believe that she and Whitney are cousins. And that is absolutely a Mormon thing. They're all related. I don't understand how, but they are. And um, I thought it was a really fun storyline, I have to say. It was great. Last season was Bartender Gate. This year, it's uh, Cater Gate. I'm not mad. See, this is the draw I like. Now... I, it appears since the caterer spoke out that the reason that the caterer dropped out of the event had nothing to do with Lisa. And I think Angie was trying to start something and I, I don't know. But, you know, I okay, I have a lot of thoughts on this. First of all, the caterer, I think, wanted to they also own a restaurant and they wanted to do some sort of filming on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City for their business. So they would provide a service for free and then it would get, um, you know, attention for their business. But they were told that the name of the catering company wouldn't really be brought up if it was done at Angie's event. And they also wanted to draw more attention to their brick and mortar restaurant. So totally understand that. They say there was no contract with Angie. It was just like a conversation. So when they decided not to do it, it's not like they pulled out of an already agreed upon thing. Um, So there's all that. At the same time, when they released like the text messages and wrote all this stuff on Instagram, I personally felt like it was really immature and unprofessional if they're a business and they want to be known as a good business owner to get like into this whole to wade into this drama I felt like they should have just released a statement like what a PR person would put out and you know this had nothing to do with that and that would be it okay so here's where it gets interesting I also think that there's a chance that maybe some of the people that work at that catering company were not comfortable working at an event that one has gambling, two has drinking, and three is raising money for um, a transgender issue. This is uh, something that is controversial to a lot of people. And at the Mm -hmm. time that this event was happening, there were actually two bills in the Utah state legislature, one trying to ban transgender girls from playing on girls sports teams, and another to ban gender affirming care provided by doctors, which is not surgery. (laughs) It's like just acknowledging the child's gender and possibly providing puberty blocker medication. So this is a very political charged time in which this even this event happened. And so I wanted to draw attention to that. Thank you for wow, that my mind is blown. That takes this to a whole different level. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Mandy. Thanks for, (laughs) you know, digging deep into that one. Yeah, my organization does a lot of advocacy on this issue, um, because we work on all children's issues. And there's a lot of bills in state legislatures trying to block pediatricians from providing health care to transgender children. So wow. Yeah. I just learned in Korea that 
Yeah, in Korea, they want to ban K-pop because it makes uh, boys too girly, they say. Uh, that they're, it's just, it's it's a crazy, crazy world with gender. Like, the fact that, like, K-pop makes guys, like, quote-unquote, like, too sensitive. And, yeah, it, it's all insane. Like, can we just, like, like what we like and be who we are? Like, if a man likes pop music and likes a love song, I don't know why that's a problem. Or why it has anything to do with their gender expression. Isn't it funny, the whole gender thing? Because, like, especially when we are looking at, like, a lot of these younger people, Vanderpump Rules, some of the housewives, whatnot, and they do these gender reveals. It's like they make this huge deal of what the gender of this unborn baby is. And then once the baby comes into the world, they're like, you can just be whoever you want to be. And it's like, well, then why did we put so much value on the gender while they were still in the womb? I am here with you a hundred percent. Just like makes no sense to me. Yeah, the whole thing is is crazy. So I feel like um, it was wild of Angie to like make it seem like it's something Lisa was up to when there was just so many obvious things it could have been, including in the text message that Angie read on the show, which said. Um, it said, we spoke with our staff last night, and this doesn't seem like the right event for us, which made me wonder, is some of the staff uncomfortable hosting an event like this? I don't know. That was just something that came to my mind. But then Lisa said that the reason that she was so upset wasn't really shown on the show is that she felt like Angie so one she felt like she was being set up which is why she was so upset and two Angie brought yes. up Jenny like oh you um wanted Jenny to be on the show and you recommended me but now Jenny is a full-time housewife and I'm just whatever and so she was more upset that Lisa like couldn't get her to be a full-time housewife on the show and um also made it seem like Lisa herself maybe wasn't supportive of this LGBTQ community. And Lisa is very supportive and doesn't want to be called out for something that that is untrue to make her look in a negative light about that, especially as a Mormon and the Mormon church is a certain way, but she says she is fully supportive. So you brought up a lot of really, really good points. And I actually think I'm going to go back and rewatch this episode of Salt Lake city. Now that I have this kind of, you know, refreshed lens to, um, to see it through. Yeah. I just think that I at first was like, Oh my God, I can't believe like Angie and her husband are bringing up this. What's a huge, hugely important issue um, is that kids are allowed to just be who they are and that they get support, um, you know, from uh, professionals and have a a safe space to go. Right. Like that's Mm -hmm. amazing. But the more that comes out, the more I feel like Angie is just trying to use this as a hook to get on the show. And I'm sure she does care about this issue, but she is very thirsty. Um, and so I think producers in general are wary of people that can be too thirsty because then mm-hmm. if they're not necessarily authentic housewives. And so it's interesting that she shot potentially for season one and then was cut when they transferred to a new production company. Interesting. Well, I know that um, lady who was actually at the insurrection, 
Um, I can't think of her name right now. I'm so glad Sarah. that her name is like, yes, thank you. <laughs> I know she was supposed to be a full-time housewife season one. I think I had heard that. Maybe I just, no, I'm pretty sure that she had been um, slated to be a full-time housewife and they um, changed their mind. But did you just say that they changed production companies for Salt Lake City? Yeah. So in the beginning of the season, like when they first started filming and it was actually, so before they started filming in November, they filmed, I don't know if it was like pre-filming or whatever, but they there was one production company and Bravo was like, we need a different production company or someone. Interesting. And, and please, listeners, correct me if I'm incorrect, but I know that there was a change in production at some point throughout filming, which is why some of it seemed a little choppy. And why Mary was in a closet for a period of time because they decided she, <laughs> she filmed as a friend of and then they decided later on to make her full time. So they had to go back and film all of these confessionals. But she wasn't like part of a lot of the group events. So it was really confusing. And so, yeah, yeah, I don't know why, for example, this Angie wasn't chosen to be on the show or to be featured for season one. I know, I think with Sarah, she was just like a full on QAnon conspiracy theorist. And that's what she spent a lot of her social media doing. And so I think Mm -hmm. they kind of were like, okay, we have a couple scenes, we'll use her, but she's not going to be a friend of and she's not going to be a housewife. Hope that this lady doesn't make it either. I mean... I didn't, we didn't get to know her all that well, but I'm not here for a thirsty housewife. I like like the fact that Kathy Hilton doesn't need the real housewives of Beverly Hills. Garcelle doesn't need it. You know, like I like it when people have other things going on and this is just something else. But like when this is their entire life and they like their life revolves around being a housewife, it just becomes not fun for me at that point. Right. Are there any housewives across franchises that you feel like being a housewife has become their whole personality and it's no longer fun to watch them lisa rinna just first one off the bat lisa rinna definitely i think kyle in a lot of reason in a lot of um perspectives like she i think that's just kind of a beverly hills thing a hollywood thing specifically that we kind of mentioned earlier I think Karen's personality in life has become being a housewife, but for Karen Huger, I love it. Like it just, it's on brand for her. And I absolutely obsessed. I'm obsessed with her because of it. Um, Yeah, no, those are the, the first ones that pop into mind. What about you? Who do you think? You're so right about Karen and about it not bothering me, but it so is. It's, so, she's, it's great. I think it is. She is a housewife. It's what she's supposed to do. And it's not annoying. I think Ramona and Luann are, that's like become their whole personality. Um, Who else? The fact that we even just saw Ramona's son on a dating app. Oh no, that was Vicky Gunvalson. That's another one though. Being a housewife became Vicky Gunvalson's life. Did you see that um, somebody in the Bravo community matched up with Vicky Gunvalson's son on Hinge? And uh, they put his Hinge profile up online and like, it's like a picture of him with his mom. And it's like, 
come on, you have like a picture with your dog, like a picture of you out. With, I was like, oh my God, this kid's trying to get um, girls based on the fact that his mom's a real housewife. Like not only is Vicky like defined by this, but her kids are a parent or at least her son is too. I found that very funny. Oh my God. I, I hope it's like him, but I wonder if someone was using that to pretend to be him. Cause I thought he had either a longtime girlfriend or was engaged like, he Ooh, never seems like he was trying to be famous for the show at all. And that's why I like Vicky's kids. Both of her kids, like, they came in, they did what they needed to do, but, like, they weren't looking for fame. I never felt that way. Yeah, that's so interesting with her son. I know that there's been a lot of public battles between her son and Vicky. I think his name is Mike. Um, over, like, he got vaccinated and it. Right. He said it broke her heart, and I don't know. And she's supposed to be on All Stars, and gotten a big argument uh, apparently about insanity. The well, and I heard she. Uh, it sounds like majority of the drama is, uh, and I don't want to hear it. Like I'm around. Like I never worried about measles or polio or anything like that because I had scenes when I was a kid. Like I'm not going to start questioning science now. Like science has been good to me. And I really, you know, I'm definitely here for hot topics and, you know, what's ha- it's reality TV. So if it's happening in the world, that's real. And if we- that's what we see on reality TV, that's fine. But like vaccines not working isn't real. But I guess people pretending that vaccines don't work is real. You know what I'm saying? I'm shocked that Bravo would work with a production company that would allow people to film who haven't been vaccinated at this point. I can't believe that they just let Nicki Minaj uh, shoot that reunion. Or, yeah, the reunion with um, just getting a one of those fast checks. That is something else. Apparently, that's all they needed. That's, you know, and I don't remember who it was, Um there's a couple of face Bravo pages and I get them all mixed up. I don't know if it was faces of Bravo face Bravo 16. I don't know which account it was, but somebody had put up um, actually an interview with um, Garcelle interviewing a victim, um, a sexual assault or rape victim of um, Nicki Minaj's brother and how Nicki defended her brother and disregarded the whole rape and then included a tweet that said something to the effect of, um, they were like 15 and 16, like who cares? Or they were in a relationship. There's nothing to say. It's like you can be in a relationship and still get sexually abused, period, because no means no, whether you're married, whether you're in a boyfriend, girl, it doesn't matter. No is no. So yeah, screw Nicki Minaj. And I'm very disappointed in Bravo yet again. I know. We're in a toxic relationship. Yeah. <laughs> very toxic um i think it was Nicki minaj's husband when he was 16 he raped another 16 year old he pled guilty to it or either was pled guilty or convicted but he served time for this assault and when he got out and then later met Nicki minaj and they got married they wanted the victim of the assault to say it never happened and to you know, when it's like he was already like this already was adjudicated. Like, why would you need her to do this? But I think it was because there were things in the press being like Nikki married someone who's a sexual abuser. And he also has to register as a sex offender wherever he moves because he was convicted of this Ugh. crime. So 
I guess there was a lot of um, harassment to this woman. Um, like, and she had to move multiple times. She like doesn't have private security. Mm. She can't afford that. And people showed up with like a suitcase of cash being like, what do you need? She ended up talking to Nikki on the phone and said like, Nikki was like, what do you need in order to say that, say that it didn't happen? And she's like, nothing woman to woman. Like you need to know that this did happen. And uh, it's, yeah, so I feel like that's way more egregious than Nikki tweeting about her cousin's friend's swollen testicles. <laughs> because, I mean, that is wild, right? And I think everyone was able to acknowledge and like, I forget. the vaccine didn't cause that. But, you know, this to right. to be in, in court over harassing a victim of sexual violence is, is pretty horrible. It's horrific. And just for the record, um, I don't remember what country Nikki's cousin who allegedly had problems with his his junk as a result of the vaccine but the vaccine that's used in that country is not the vaccines that we have here it was not Moderna it was not Pfizer and it was not Johnson and Johnson I don't remember the name of it but it was not one of those three so Americans listening you don't have to worry about your junk I also think the health minister of Trinidad and Tobago had to in a press conference say that like this didn't happen we have no instances of this happening it is not a side effect of the vaccine but it is a side effect of other illnesses and so if you have this as a problem then you should definitely seek medical attention please seek medical attention people Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for joining, for sharing all your Bravo takes, for, you know, giving us insight into what it's like to live with multiple sclerosis and remind us to practice self-care. Let everyone know where they can find you. Oh, my gosh. Thanks. So um, you can find me on Instagram at On This Day Entertainment. I just had to start a new TikTok account because my last one got taken down because apparently... I'm a bully. Well, I'm not a bully, but I post videos of people bullying, but it's like TV. Anyway, I'm rebuilding my TikTok uh, channel. So that's on this day entertainment. I had a podcast like a year ago. I really want to bring it back. My health hasn't been great, but really love to bring it back. And Mandy, you definitely are going to be one of the first people that um, I connect with once on this day entertainment comes back. I've been saying I'm going to bring it back and I just, I, I haven't been able to, but I want to, and I appreciate you having me here. And I always love talking to you. I love talking to you too. And I would be grateful to be on anytime. Let me know. Thanks, girl. I appreciate you. And it's been so much fun talking to you. And anytime you want to talk Bravo or beyond, I'm here for you. Aw, thanks. We'll have to have you on again. Thank you.